awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy Tallerman, and joining me this week is my co-host, Danny Calamari, who's currently building a working BB gun in a back of a roller wink from a box of scraps. <laughs> yes, from a box of scraps, I am building this BB gun with surprising, like, a What's it? Surprisingly effective? Efficiency? Yeah, it's yeah, surprisingly yeah. effective. I did love that she had to have the laser pointer as well, just yeah. so we kind of saw what she was aiming at. That was great. <laughs> uh, we are talking this week about episode three of season one of Echo, or possibly the only season of Echo on Disney+, Plus, or Marvel's Echo, I should say, uh, in which, uh, episode three, Tucklo, in which trouble comes to Tamaha. That's it. That's the entire synopsis. Um, very, very vague and evocative. Thank you very much, uh, Disney Plus. Um, but yeah, this episode, um, there's basically a fight scene and that's it. That's kind of, kind yeah, it's of all, very much all that centered happens. around, centered around that fight scene. Um, which is good. I mean, I'm okay with you centering something completely around a fight scene. So many like D and D sessions, so many RPG sessions are just, we're having this fight. Like, we got to get through this fight, this this session, because it's going to be the entire game otherwise. Yeah. It's like, you roll initiative at the start, and the game's over, or the session's over when you win or lose. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. It's like, that's that's fine. It's it's a good middle episode. I want a big action sequence in my middle episode. Something um, Jim Butcher talks about in his writing. He says, you always have a fight scene at the start, you have a fight scene at the end, and then in the middle, you kind of hit that peak and you have a big action sequence to keep everyone interested and keep going till the end. It's, it works. Yeah, it was definitely, like, I did really appreciate the action sequence here as well. I think it was um, done to decent effect. Yeah, I felt it was very John Wick to me. Yes, definitely very John Wick. Like, I think they've definitely seen John Wick and gone, okay, that's the kind... Like, comparing this with the hallway fight in the first season of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that's a, a good comparison. And to have them in different styles, because if for a while it really was, every Marvel show is going to have a fight in a corridor with one take. And that was kind of the thing they did. Yeah, but having it like this, I I liked I prefer this sort of style. It's just a, a slightly easier one to to get into. Uh, all right, well there are, other stuff does happen in this episode. Um, most notably, Kingpin back from the dead at the yes. in the final final moments. Pretty yep. cool. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, that was a that was a decently cool moment. Yeah, and what else? We get a little bit more of Bonnie and Maya together. Yes. Yeah. Still no. There's no real explanation about like why she's so mad beyond you never talk to me after mm. like a good what it must have been it must be like twenty years. Yeah, well this is the the actual first time we see them communicating, right? Yeah. Yeah, like other than being children. Yeah. Yeah. Well first time since that moment when, yeah. when um Maya left town with her dad. It's like that. And given that Bonnie's all like, hey, I sent you letters, I sent you email, I sent you text, and Maya just sent nothing, it (laughs) does feel a little bit like, just read the room, girl. Like, (laughs) she doesn't want to talk to you. 
seems pretty clear. <laughs> like, yeah, no, after a couple of years, she'd stop. Maya's not really given anything back with that uh, with that relationship there. Nope, nope. Maya kind of sucks in this episode in a lot of, <laughs> she, a lot of ways. She does. <laughs> Uh, like uh, props to Alakwa Cox, who just full deadpan expression, <laughs> like absolute zero response uh, out of anything. Like you can see it going on internally. Yeah, like there's something in her eyes where you can say, "All right, this is affecting me," and I'm just like pausing just a little bit longer, doing something. But yeah, that deadpan just not nah, not giving you anything back is so well done. Oh. Um, now, one thing we want to talk about through this one, what I wanted to say is just watching this episode had, it seems to have a quite a significant previously on. Yeah. And a lot of the, I mean, it's interesting that they've got previously ons when these were all dropped at the same time. And given there's only five of them, it could be believed that you're just watching them back to back, but you didn't, so the way it's, it's shot, they're not like, this is what happened. And then this is what happened. And this is what happened. It's kind of like just flashes of here are some of the things that make up what you're going to be seeing. Like here's Henry and he's kind of this attitude towards Maya and here's her shooting Kingpin and here's like the vision she's having and how it connects to her everyday life without it really being, this is what happened last episode. Yeah. And I like that. I thought it's a, a good way of telling an RPG party what happened last week or what happened last session without it having to be as you know, you went to the forest of darkness and wherein you found the the lion that had been dealing problems to the village and that kind of kind of story, which is fun as well. Yeah. But I like that that more evocative just going around the table and going, Hey, what do you remember? Hey, what do you remember? Hey, what do you remember? And them all kind of piecing a picture because you get an idea of what they think is important then. Yeah, exactly. It's actually what I, I tend to do when I'm up when we're talking about previously on this with um, hmm. RPGs. I usually not the one doing it. I'm asking the, yeah. the party, um, like who wants to who wants to talk about what happened last time. It, it might be like them all contributing, or it might be like if it's you know an ongoing campaign, it's one person per session doing the previously on. Yeah, yeah. I've got um. I certainly in my home game, I have the the DM does it all like he's got his campaign journal and we're just like oh yeah that's right oh yeah that's right it's interrupting yeah. a lot of the time um so it's kind of a mix of the two whereas in games that i'm running i'll often just say who remembers what happened last time and let them say it all and then yeah. kind of fill in the blanks of well okay but you you need to remember this bit too yeah of just, course just, yeah yeah which is um, interesting. I love some of the options. Like, there's so many ways you could do it. I know earlier the, um, or when that started, uh, what was it? I'm trying to remember. Venture Maidens. Venture Maidens, the podcast, used to have a little bit of a recap from a narrator at the start who wasn't okay. one of the players at all. And I, I like that as well because certain games you can have, like, the old-timey radio announcer being like, previously on Avatar The Last Airbender, we had the <laughs> Fire Nation attack, that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, I I think it's an underutilized tool. I think a lot of the time we just kind of try to get through it or we try to make it a fun thing rather than weave it into the storytelling aspect as well. Yeah. 
I think I yeah, just went sure. on a, a little tangent rant for that one. <laughs> but it's it's still like it, like you said, it is important, and especially um, if you're doing a longer campaign, uh, mm. it's so easy to forget things that have happened, or to be like, yeah, that was last session when it actually happened like two, three sessions ago. Um, yeah. So yeah, previously ons are really um, are really um, I think important to keep people on track with what's going on. Um, but it, yeah, it still can be fun, but it can also be a really good storytelling um, tool. Yeah, I think that um, that element of forgetting what happened or why you're doing these journeys or what your actual goal is, is often the case when you have a lot of combat. Yes. Or you have um, elements of roleplay in particular, and you can have six or seven sessions where only a day passes. But in real time, that might be a month and a half. Yeah. And you're thinking, all right, so I don't actually know why I'm talking to this guy, but I'm very invested in it. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm trying to get out of him, but it's very important that he likes me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you're like, oh, that's right. He's the king of that dwarven nation that I've been trying to trying to deal, uh, trying to get a, a um, trade deal with. Glad we didn't piss him off. So yeah, I feel like that's a good one because it is. How far do you go back? Like, do you just say what was on the previous previous session? Do you go back to the start of this little arc? Do you go back to the start of the adventure and go back? Well, you all met in this and you've had many adventures, but right <laughs> now you're doing this. Like, where's where? How much do you give your players to remind them? of where they are um so in the times that i've done like the previously ons and i've talked because mm. so, i've you know switched it up every now and then and sometimes it's me sometimes it's them but when i've talked about it i kind of do recap the arc but very quickly it's more like the the things i give the most detail on is the previous session yeah. but it's more like i don't know um Say the arc starts with them, their home gets attacked and they need to go out and find who did it, for example. Like you mm. recap, like after your home got attacked, you all ventured out um, and then you kind of just kind of skip forward a little bit, just reminding them of kind of, I guess, their hook for the yeah. um, for the arc and mm. then kind of giving more specific details about the previous session, reminding them kind of exactly where they are right now. It's kind of yeah, what, little... how I would go about it. Yeah, that makes sense to me where it's a little bit of, so you went, you've got to find who killed your village and you've done many things, but right now the lead leads this direction and you talk yeah. to a smith. So it's like, yeah, it's that big view and then zooming into the specific specific instance. I yeah, like that. exactly. That's cool. I definitely, yeah. if I am the one saying the previously on, I definitely try to remember any of like, even the dumb stuff that they've like hyper fixated on. Yeah. Um, I definitely like to bring it up because it like reminds people of like kind of as much as we're weaving maybe a big epic tale, half the time they are spending their time talking to this little minor character whose name I made up on the spot. So yeah. like reminding the them Scully of the fun. Shopkeeper, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, they got to love that one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's also useful because generally that's the character that they brought along with them. Yes, exactly. And you're like, oh yeah, uh, Steve-O's also there. Um, I yeah, guess. that's 
hence why I ask them, like, oh, what do you remember? Because I'm like, yeah. oh, crap, Steve-O is here. Shit. The NPCs, I'm sure, have just wandered off because no one's like, <laughs> I, I forgot they were there. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few times when someone's gone, like, like if Steve-O example, like, oh, wait, where was Steve-O during that combat? Oh, um, he hid in the bush. <laughs> yeah. <That's- laughs> I definitely uh, kept that one in mind and didn't forget. Mm-hmm. I've always had um my my go to or my story of that one is a, a dwarf uh, explorer called Pomo Fast Rider, mm-hmm. um, who was actually quite useful. He like came into combat a lot of the time, but there's a number of times where the player's going through this this dungeon and just completely forgot he was there because I was letting them do all the exploration. He was just kind of the not the assistant, but the the only remaining person from the last expedition. Right. So he'd be like, okay, cool. How does Pomo get across? Oh, fuck. We forgot about Pomo. <laughs> Every time. What's Pomo up to? And it came back in game. It was like 10 years later. And they went to the door, door and they said like, is Pomo still with us? Like, are we dropping him home now? They're like, Pomo died years ago, you guys. We forgot about him. Oh, it was great. It was great. Speaking of years ago and people who die, um, we get a. I think I feel like this is a longer flashback. Yeah, this to, does to go for a bit. Yeah, like the um, the one with Loak was. I don't feel as long as sportsy as it was, and mm-hmm. Chaffa's. Well, Ch- was it Chaffa? No, Chaffa. Uh, that was much shorter. That was just kind of, hey, look, this is the myth. Everyone's out in the world now. Yeah. But yeah, we get a lot of Tuklo and the Light Horseman and this history of Native American like law. Not law law with a an A W, not an O R E. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, what did you think of this little silent movie, mini silent movie in the in the section? Um like I found it um almost almost funny in a mm. way because like um the rest hasn't been a silent film and then you have like the cutaways to like the sound effects and stuff which i know is like of mm. that genre um which also but, i just realized also changed as the the sequence went on yes near the end um sound kicks in and then yeah. it's full screen which i liked that was cool yeah um i think what kind of it kind of caught me off guard a bit and what i kind of found odd is because mm. the other flashbacks weren't in any style and just this one That's true, yeah. and only this one was. So I think it felt odd to me because I think if the other flashbacks were in different genres and styles, then I would have appreciated this more. Mm. I think I get it. it just felt real <laughs> out of place. I liked what yeah. I was seeing. Don't get me wrong, right? I liked the little, the little story it was telling. But yeah, it just felt, I was kind of like, oh, this is still going. What it felt like to me is, I don't know if you've seen the TV series Watchmen. Uh, only, only a few episodes. I haven't actually watched it all the way through. There's a great sequence in that. Um, it's just before the, the massive sequence of the, the Tulsa um, uh, Black Wall Street attack, um, the Tulsa Massacre. But there's a moment when the character as a child is watching um, Reeve Bass 
the the black sheriff mm-hmm. and it was very much in that vein of that well again it's like 1920s um or late 1910s film style silent film but it did also feel like that slightly over the top melodrama sort of not melodrama um pantomime is the word i'm looking for pantomime style acting which was prevalent at the time mm-hmm. and it felt like that that's what they were going for with this which they just hadn't had anywhere else and they're just like we really like that sequence in watchmen so we're going to put it in here too <laughs> and it just yeah it felt a little there was a bit of dissonance and but not quite enough to me for me to go this is so weird because honestly the thing with the sports <laughs> when it yeah, that goes, was oh we're back in time and we're having a full like mini sports movie and I'm like, oh all right i guess and i think i'm wondering now if the sequence with loak in the um in the second episode if that had been shot like a sports movie because it's kind of shot like an action sequence which works like yeah. a lot of sports movies are shot like aqua sixes, but it was shot more like say the fight scene in this, in this episode mm-hmm. with the like kind of shifting and moving and people are coming out of nowhere and they're just moving away like that John Wick esque. But if it was shot like the, like a traditional sports movie, I'm thinking specifically American football, which there's a yeah. lot of movies about where it's like those slow-mos of just people just kind of breathing and like the sweat dripping down. And then it's like, Oh, action. And yeah. it's like really a lot about that build up before the action. I'm wondering if that if we if it had felt more like a sports movie in that regard, whether we'd have that same same issue if they were shifting those genres each time we had a vision like this. Yeah, I guess like while it's still, I think weird with the whole sports thing. Um, it, sports, I guess it would sports. Yeah, it at least would feel. Coherent, I guess. No, no coherent. Yeah. The word. Yeah, is that coherent works? Yeah, because I think. Yeah, it. I don't know. I just think then you have flashbacks then to this or to the others. The others are in color, mm. but this one specifically is in black and white. I mean, this one specifically set the time period of when it was by yes. that footage. Yes, and again, I liked it. So it, it's funny, like. Um, what's it called? Isolated. I actually liked it. Mm. Mm. But I think as a part of this show, really caught me off guard. Yeah. And I think that might be why you found it amusing in some regards. Yeah, like exactly. It is really cool. Because they were poking fun at it. Like the fact that you see the gun shoot and then it goes bang. It's like, yeah, like a significant yeah, we got, delay we got as well. <laughs> yeah, we got that there was a bang. One of the reasons they used to do that is to fill out running time as well yes. actually yeah um they'd put the sound effects in when it wasn't necessary because they'd have a piano player going as well yeah at this anyway um just a little bit of film trivia though and um where was i going yeah because of that dissonance because it's so different from from what you're expecting that's when you kind of laugh at it i'm thinking about that in regards to rpgs when you have a section of your game that's so incredibly different from the rest of the adventure a lot of the time it can be the most fun and it can be the most memorable, but it does still have to kind of lean into why it's there. Like I'm remembering a case in my home game where we basically came across a tower with Rick and Morty in it. Yeah. 
and like the Mesics or something had gone wild and, and running through the town. We had to kill them. And it was really funny, but this was also a dark fantasy game. I'm like, why? Why are they there? Do they have any purpose or did you just want to create the dungeon? Because I'm down with you creating the dungeon, but do I need to remember this is my point. Yeah. yeah and I'm wondering um, like, yeah, if that genre shift for it. Yeah, I think yeah, genre shifts can be really jarring, but like used to decent effect if they serve a purpose. Yeah. I think. Even if it's just for a session, maybe something happens. Maybe you're maybe you're fighting a villain that shifts reality and makes things weird or I don't know. Oh yeah. Like there there can be like it can be real fun. Um I did have like I was in I was running a campaign where people were jumping to different realities as well. It was like a multiversal one. And it was mm. a really important thing for me to make sure every universe felt significantly different. Mm. So I was playing with the idea of genre and stuff. One felt more like superhero and stuff, but one of them, which was a big tonal shift, was like they went to Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. So it was like the sun had it was like a bunch of different shows. The sun had the baby from Teletubbies, like yep. in it, and the big smiley face. The moon was the moon from um, Bear in the Big Blue House, and it was like this all. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the moon from, like, the Mighty Boosh or something. <laughs> That's a weird one to combine. <laughs> but um, all of this, like, bright and fun and laughter and no one dies and it's all just, like, all about teaching people numbers and the alphabet. And in comes this party who've been fighting monsters um, into this world. So it was a big tonal shift. But because I'm trying to focus on the multiverse and stuff, served a purpose. I don't know if I did mm. it to great effect, but it just it served a purpose to be like for them coming in. It was like almost because it was too good. It I think felt uncomfortable for them. Oh no, that's saccharine sort of everything's happy and you hit me for seven damage. I already had six. How many's that now? Kind of attitude. <laughs> that would be. That would just be so creepy coming out of nowhere. (laughs) Like, incredibly fun to be like, what is going on? I don't understand. But it does, it it fills that role of, hey, look, all these different worlds exist. (laughs) That'd be so cool. Yeah, I do think it is fun when you really lean into a certain genre um and yeah play with those tropes and play with those weird things that really make the genre um recognizable yeah yeah like you said when you've got sesame street it's like well you're going to lean into those counting things and learning letters and that simplistic aspect of it whereas this in in the episode lent into that element of well what does silent film mean and how are you telling Oh, I just fucking realized. What? It's because Maya's deaf. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm a fucking and... idiot. <laughs> I hadn't picked uh, up I... on that. But again, it's that thing of like, but why this one? Yeah, that's a good point. It's why this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, hence like, it. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. <laughs> but yes, I, I like the idea of them using silent film in the Echo show specifically. Like, there's a... Yeah. 
there is a reason that it's just again we've got these characters. I don't know why one was stylized and the others weren't. One was stylized and the other, yeah, that that's a very good point. Um, <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? Yes, that you've got this this aspect of kind of the um, I want to say the cops and robbers of the nineteen twenties, the gangster mm-hmm. feel to it. Where yes. it's, just, it's Keystone Cops a little bit as well, of just kind of zooming around and everything's all wacky. That's yeah. The Charlie Chaplin-esque nature of it. Yeah, exactly. You lean into that. And you even, even certain set pieces, like if you're doing this, you've got to have a train. Like at some yes. point, there's got to be a train, right? Or if you're doing sci-fi, there's got to be some like big police force or stupid, dumb sci-fi sounding names for your warp drives or whatever, like... You know, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. You lean into the the nonsensical stuff, and it's kind of it's recognizable for people, and it lets them know, like, hey, this is what we're this is what we're going for. I think that's a, a really easy element to bring into other games. If you want to go, okay, I want to invoke this sort of feel. I'm just mm-hmm. going to have that one thing like that one thing from that genre that everyone kind of recognizes. Yeah. Like, even if they go, like, let's imagine an adventuring party goes into a town and no one's saying anything. But whenever someone, like, talks to another one, they hold up a little sign which has their dialogue <laughs> on it. And the party can still talk to people. Yeah. And, but they're holding up sound effects just as much. And it's like, you've entered into the 1920s zone. Or even, so, even when it's like, um, uh, what's the, is it prestidigitation that can, create little effects or even like a minor illusion underneath them that has like floating subtitles as they, yeah. <laughs> as they talk. Oh, I love that. That's such a great of minor illusion. <laughs> I'm going to do that later. <laughs> just have a little, this is my subtitles. I'm just speaking English yeah. right now, but I've got subtitles <laughs> in Goblin. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have I had that before when like I've had a, a players that speak, a language and the others don't. So, and the, they happen to have minor illusions. They make the subtitles in common yeah. for the other people to understand. But if they don't speak common, how are they creating the common subtitles? No, I'm or saying is someone else doing it for. So, them? so, so, like the player that speaks, say, both goblin and common, and has minor oh, illusions, right, right, right. he's creating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the subtitles. For, <laughs> that's great. Oh, everyone forgets how useful illusionists are until you yes. come up with something like that. <laughs> I do. Find, I find it interesting that we are kind of just talking about genres as a total, rather than like you were saying, you jumped between worlds for your for your multiverse. Yeah, but that was still using Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition rules, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Look, and definitely Fifth Edition D and D isn't wasn't the best system to use for a campaign like that. I'll admit, but it was kind of just for the group I had, it's what everyone knew, so it was just kind of easier to go with that. Um, but yeah, you are sometimes I, limited. You're, you're very limited with the, the game, but the problem is you don't want to take, go, okay, we're going into this reality, so everyone learn a new system <laughs> because that's what we're going to do. Um, I do know there was a, an actual play on Geek and Sundry a while ago Mm-hmm. Uh, that did that exact thing that the idea was that they'd have an adventure using one system and it'd be like four weeks and at the end they'd all get sucked through a portal a la sliders and end up in another world where like they've got to learn they're 
doing a new system now and yeah and learning doing another adventure and it was all kind of connected but each time it's going through a different world yeah. very doctor who feel to it as well i've done something a little similar where it was bringing an entirely new system into D and that was basically crash pandas right. where i had basically i wanted the characters to go to hell and i wanted them to come across this like infernal circus with or infernal casino and i wanted to have all the elements of like that when you're the pod race from star wars and like the heist from from um oceans 11 and all those options could happen in hell in mm-hmm. this story now but they picked the um they picked the the pod race that they were going to bet on and i'm like great i have no rules for a racing game in D, but i do have ones in crash pandas so i'm just going to throw the rules in here and yeah. say, not even going to tell them that we're doing Crash Pandas. I'm just going to go, this is how this this um, thing works. Here's the map. Off you go. You kind of treat it more like a like a mini game. Yeah. Have you played the Yakuza series? The video games? I haven't. I haven't. There's a lot in that where it's like, you know, a game about the Yakuza, but then you're playing, like, um, you're driving carts or you're doing karaoke, and it just, like, it's a bunch of mini games in there that are just completely different to the rest of the game. And you can use, especially like something like Crash Pandas, which is a one-page RPG, correct? Is it? No? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah? So oh, even it is like one page. Especially using something like that for a minigame where it just kind of changes the rules up, not permanently, but just for that one activity, can be a lot of fun as well. Mm. Mm. It's a, a good way. Yeah, I think minigames are always... Minigames at high levels are always good as well. Yes. Because it's, um, well, we just saw this again on Critical Role recently where they created some mini games to, to build trust and ended up blindfolding the cast at the table so that they could do stuff. And so like, that's oh, a I good haven't way seen of that. Keeping things in- <laughs> that's a good one, yeah. It's a good way of keeping things interesting. Um, yeah. Maybe not so much for an audience in that case, although it was fun because <laughs> they're all actors. But it, it is that reminder. It's like, look, D&D doesn't just have to be, I roll a dice, I hit the orc. Yeah, exactly. Or any game has to be like that. Uh, I actually oh, once... Hmm. I, I once... Um, this is going back ages ago now. Um, my players were going to a party and they needed information at this party, right? Um, and they were like, oh, we'll play some drinking games with people. And yes. so what I did instead is they're like, oh, I want to I verse this guy and we'll do... It was like... Um, uh, oh my God, what's it called? Uh, throwing balls. Okay, blackjack. No, no, oh, no. Uh, B pong. B pong. Thank you. I don't know why I just blanked on that. B pong. So what I did, I um, we got a bunch of cups and actually set up beer pong. <laughs> so it was. Yeah. So I instead treated it essentially just as a role play part portion where there was talks happening, but they were the players were actively doing the actions of beer pong. I didn't like because of that. I wasn't going to like. If they lost Green. or... F- if, no, no, it wasn't actually alcohol we were using. But if they lost or anything like that, it wasn't going to really affect the story because that's not mm-hmm. fair that their actual dexterity has to come into it. But um, it was just more just to kind of get them up out of their seats a little bit, um, change it up and still do the role play that changed their actions up a bit. Yeah, that's... it's. I feel that, again, it's the kind of thing that you remember. Yeah. And I think because it's a role play aspect, it's a little bit more of that LARP immersion into it as yeah. well. 
because you're, you're stepping outside of this and you go, okay, this is something, this is something special. This is just kind of turning into a mini games talk again. <laughs> I think yeah. we did that already oh, on an episode. Sorry, just want to preface. That was with a group of friends of mine that I knew were okay with the idea of drinking games. But yes. when you're running for people who you don't know, something like that might be quite jarring or people might have certain aversions to things like drinking games. So just be careful with stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting. The number of, um, we run games at a, at a tavern and the number of people who are just like, I don't drink. Yeah. Like I've got a free drink card from, from buying this ticket, but I don't drink. And it's like, cool. We probably shouldn't have held this in a tavern for you. We could probably find <laughs> somewhere else for that. Like, yeah. It happens very often, actually. It, it's quite frequent. Um, yeah. Maybe we're just becoming a non-drinking culture here in Australia. <laughs> what, what's that going to be like? Huh. Um, speaking of Australian culture, let's talk about the fight scene. <laughs> okay. How's that for a segue? That's How's a brilliant that segue. Flawless. That's a Ben Burns segue, like <laughs> full on. I love it. Uh, no, I love this this fight scene with the... It was a little bit... The fight scene was interesting. I liked it. Mm-hmm. The bit where Vicky, the um, the shoeshine boy from, from the roller rink gets murdered... Yeah. Um, I wasn't as on board with just because it was a little bit too visceral and gory. Yeah, it really was. Like I was fine with him getting shot and knocked over the the thing, and then they just like linger on his face as blood pours down his into his eyes, and he like chokes out. I'm like, that's it's not really necessary, you guys. I like I know he's dead. I know yeah. he's an idiot. <laughs> it's like, kind of like, um... that was a bit much. I found it was actually during this episode, funnily enough, and before that happened, I found myself thinking like, because a bunch of this marketing was, this is the first MA. Um, oh, yeah. Disney, Disney Plus Marvel thing. And I'm mm. like, I found myself thinking a lot of this didn't have to be MA. Like there was some violence, yeah. but like it was nothing crazy, right? And then mm. that scene felt like it was even them going, oh, yeah, we're MA. We need to have something gory. And they have yeah. that. And if the rest of the show was like that, I'm fine with it. Like, I'm, like, you know, fine with gore and stuff um, throughout the show. It was just very, like, very intense randomly Yeah, compared to the rest. And there was a, there was a moment later on, and I'm not sure if it was meant – I feel like it was meant to be a joke where they kind of cut between all the people, all their faces – and like in in quick succession, just like that little bit. How's this doing? What they're doing? What they're doing? What they're doing? Is it like looking backwards and forwards? And it cuts to Vicky, like just fucking staring there on the table. And I'm like, <laughs> no, he's dead. He doesn't care about this combat. <laughs> and it just was that little bit of dissonance, like the like we were talking about before. It was just a little bit too weird. Mm. Um, but the fight scene itself, like I said, so very John Wick, where she's like flipping around and like kicking under under pinball machines to to kick people and like grabbing a ski ball and just bashing a dude's brains in and it was awesome. Yeah. And going through the um the the laser tag area and just like yeah. guys disappearing. It's like as soon as they went into the laser tag area, I was like, this is gonna be amazing. And then it happened, I'm like, that is what was going on in my head every time I went to laser tag as a kid. <laughs> Like that is that's how everything cool I, I wanted. Thought I looked. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how cool I thought I looked doing all the stuff in laser tag. Uh, 
But yeah, it was it was interesting. What I really want to talk about this fight scene with, there's two things, one at the end, but the main part of it is the way it was handled very much reminded me of the Marvel multiverse role-playing game combat. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it was like someone would throw a punch and then like she'd use someone else as a shield who gets shot and like grab their gun and shoot someone or they're out of ammo and they throw it at them. That kind of, like I said, John Wick style. But looking at the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game, a lot of the skills are basically a reaction to when something else happens. And I feel that that really would develop this sort of combat thing where somebody throws a punch and Captain America blocks with the shield and then responds. And like, you get that quick flow of combat that you see in a show like this. Yeah. I think um, the Marvel multiverse RPG, funnily enough, I think it's rules work better for non-powered characters like this, where it is just like martial arts responding to each other. Because then when you throw Hulk, for example, (laughs) within that, (laughs) it's <laughs> yeah, if you throw Hulk into a lot of things, you get a problem. Yeah, I, yeah, but if it, it's still kind of that thing of like, I don't know, it, you know, uh, let's uh, let's talk as if like people are very experienced with it, right? As in like when they're yes. playing it, you get me. Like people, like it's they know what their character can do. They're responding quickly, and you have that kind of back and forth with the reactions. I think it works really well when you have characters like Echo, like Daredevil, like anything like that. I think would create not only a fun combat, but a very cinematic one as well. Yeah. Yeah, because it may be a case of... It, it, one of the problems with combat in, in D&D and other games is it takes a really long time for everyone to have their turn. Yeah. And I think the Marvel Multiplus one, turns don't take all that long if you just do one thing, but so many other things then happen on your turn. Yeah. Like you'll have okay, this skill activates once I web someone up. So I'm just going to throw a web. Oh, look, I've webbed that guy up. Now I can do this to him. And those kind of chain effects really evoke the feeling of that martial combat. I'm looking at the Echo um, stat block now, actually, for the Marvel game. This is the one that hasn't been updated recently. So it's the classic one. But yeah, a lot of it is stuff like Counter-Strike and Defense Stance and Fast Strikes and Leg Sweep and Clone Moves, of course, um, because she's an Echo. Yeah. But that idea, like looking at those words without even really going into what they mean in like what skills and what powers and what things you're able to do. Counter-Strike, obviously that means when someone hits you, you can do something else. And like Leg Sweep, that changes the dynamic of the fight. It's like, well, you're going to knock someone prone with this. It's not just, I hit them. I hit them again. I crit. I crit easier. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's really a strength of, here's the the shameless plug for the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game. (laughs) I think it's really a strength of that game that you can create these dynamic fights, um, which might only last a little while, but it does feel like, those three quick punches and a block and then you hit them in the right spot and you go onto the next person and you're kind of pushing through enemies just the way that Echo does in this. Yeah, definitely made for ideally quicker combat. Mm. Um, I think in terms of how much damage everything does in that game, it's kind of, it is made for like your character's punched for like a few seconds and it's done. Yeah. Which um, honestly, if you think about it in D and D, is exactly the same. You punch for it a few is, seconds, it, yeah, and I then know. You're done. But it, but it feels different in D and D. 
it yeah, just it there's something about it where it feels like even though it actually hasn't in game gone longer, it does feel longer. Um, where this one feels like it's it's supposed to feel quicker, I think. That was one of the things I thought about in the um, the D and D movie, The Honor Among Thieves, where yeah. the final fight scene with um, the evil wizard and everyone just charging at her and like everyone doing their attacks, and you can see a couple of like uh, uh, reactions in there as well. I'm just like, and at the table that took three hours. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I actually, got actually love forty that. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that in the movie. That felt like it. Yeah. It felt exactly like a real game. And I was like, yeah, but at the table, that <laughs> three hours to do. That was the entire movie. <laughs> oh. Um, what else do I want to say? Weapons? Something about weapons. Lots of stuff. Um, oh, yes. The, the, the bit about the end of the fight. So I was watching this and I'm like, Maya's kicking everyone's ass. Like she's killed at least three guys in that. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of dead guys there, um, like beating people to death, and then she just kind of stops. And whoever, whoever that British bald dude, the the cheap Jason Statham, um, yeah. he's got Bonnie like in a headlock and with a gun, and Maya just kind of stops and surrenders. And I was just like, is is that what's supposed to happen? Because then immediately after, they're like, okay, we're gonna shoot you now. We're gonna shoot you. We're gonna. Sh- oh, I've got a call. I better take this. Oh, I shouldn't shoot. Okay, I'm gonna go. Everyone, get out of here. And it felt from like the game master was like, "Shit, you were supposed to win that. You're not supposed to surrender. This was like a <laughs> cool action sequence that we're just gonna keep going. Yeah, you're, you're gonna free Bonnie, to- and then she's gonna use it too. Throw one of the many things you've been throwing or shooting, and like get an yeah. awesome, like accurate shot in his head or something. No, 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 you gave up. Okay. Yeah, it's like Maya's player basically just went, "Oh, no, Bonnie's in danger." I surrender because I care that much. <laughs> Just like, oh no, you're role playing now. All right, all right. Um, I guess, I guess uh, Kingpin's alive and he calls them off. <laughs> it just felt so like struggle to. Okay, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get you out of this. Yeah, it almost like felt like felt like your your players have just like kind of screwed up a combat. Like big time, and like maybe you don't want to yeah. be like, oh, I don't want a TPK here. Like, how do I, how do I, yeah. how do I write them out of this? It it really was that. I really thought you were going to win that fight. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it. I mean, I'm okay with it. Honestly, it's a it's an uh, a perfectly valid way of of moving the story along. It just really struck me as funny. Yeah, you know something I found. What did you find? Uh, it, I know it would be goofy, right? I know it wouldn't fit this show, I guess. But fighting on a roller rink and yes. not really using it as a roller rink yes. felt like a really big missed opportunity. Yeah. It was just a big open space. But, oh, my God, like a roller derby where you're yeah. just going around and around in circles <laughs> and they've got the big ball that they can throw people into. Oh, my God. Because when, be so when we cool. saw the roller rink earlier in the show, I was like, please let there be a fight on that. Mm. Um, and there was, but it wasn't, you know, like it was still good. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the fight, but it was just like we're on a roller rink, roll around. Like even if Maya was, had the roller skates and no one else did. Yeah. Like that would have been cool. <laughs> oh. it, it's just, I guess it was just easy to film in. Yeah, no, Definitely. <laughs> 
But I guess they did that with the the um the laser tag and the ski ball. It's like those improvised weapons and improvised areas. Yeah, of, exactly. Of combat, but yeah. th- then there's the roller rink that's just getting getting wasted for, yeah. That would be so cool. <laughs> I I want to create some rules for like being on roller skates now. Like everyone's on roller. It's like a chase sequence where you just have to move a certain amount. Well, I actually I actually have run a game um, a few times where the final confrontation happens on a roller rink. Um, they're fighting a cult and the cult summoning summoning a demon in the middle of the roller rink. But they're all it's in the 1980s, so they all get their skates on and they go yep. around and they have a big battle on there. Um, which is just dumb, but it's good fun. I would only change one thing about that. I'd make it an ice rink. Uh, cause then you can have the Zamboni come out as well. <laughs> just chasing people down really slowly. <laughs> the only reason I actually, I have made it, I actually have changed it to an ice rink a couple times, but I think I made it mainly a roller rink because then it became too many issues of plays being like, well, I'm not going to grab skates. And then I'm like, well, you're slipping. And then it yeah. just, it became a big issue. I'm like, all right, and this needs to be a roller rink. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it really is. Okay, well, you're just at a disadvantage because everyone else is moving so fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of moving fast. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we're going to jump back to before that fight scene. When Vicky and Grace, his his ally, his the one that I, I think they all die, don't they? Except one. Anyway, um, mm. the one that's got the gun um, yep. and runs away. They're stalling and like leading these guys around the roller rink and being like, "Oh, I know, I need to see my money." Oh no, it's like this is just giving Maya time to escape. Yeah, like just like this guy wants to see Maya. Go take him to see Maya and get your money. Like, I suspect yeah. had had he shown him my, he may have actually got paid and not shot. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't think he would have been paid at all. Probably not. Because in oh, actually no, I won't. I was going to say something. But you get some spoilers. All right, all right, yes. all right. No, all right. no, 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 no. Yeah, won't say that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'm wondering if we, we wrap that one up then. Um, cause there are a couple other things that I like about that episode, but I want to talk about them for the next episode. Yeah. Um, particularly with the whole, the Kingpin returning and, and that yeah. sort of aspect. Cause that was really cool in there. Uh, um, but I would do want to point out, I have been saying that there's been like a whole Meyer and Bonnie as exes thing leaning up, leading up to this episode. Yeah. Like, Oh, what, you're, I'm in town. You're not telling me. And this actually made them a lot less shippy. This yes. episode, this yep. did feel like family members who just, you haven't fucking called you, bitch. Why? Like, look, you're in town. You talk to your family kind of feel. Uh, and yeah, particularly yeah, they- Maya telling Bonnie, like, what to do and punching her in the face. Like, you could have done it soft. It's like, yeah, could I, though? <laughs> no, I liked them. They were good. Yeah, but I think for me, the last big thing I need to point out is... Um, yep. Keep forgetting his name. The grandfather, Scully. Scully, just the technically not the grandfather. Oh well, uh, technically as... not. But you know, but he's got that. He does have that role. I th- yeah. think, yeah, historically anyway. But yeah, he's just great. Oh, he's there's so a scene where he, where he goes to sit down on the couch and like throws his hat or something, yeah. and like like I don't know. He's just I just love him. 
I love how tr- smooth he thinks. Or it's not even <laughs> how smooth he thinks he is. He's just like, I'm a flirt. And <laughs> you like it. And she's like, oh, you idiot. It's like, you used to like it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> like, I, I really like them. And just her exasperated sigh of it. Like, look, yeah. Fair, but no, not today. <laughs> old people flirting. It's always funny. I say as an old person. Uh, all right. Well, we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, please tune in next week when we speak about episode four to lower. Um, I don't know what that one's about yet. I definitely haven't already seen this this whole series. Um, and leave a rating and a review wherever podcasts are found. In-app would be great so other people can find us, but you can also send us reviews on at Instagram and um, that other place, the, the email address, which is dndntvpod at gmail.com, and it's just at dndntvpod for Instagram. Danny, are you on Instagram or other places that people can find you online? I am on Instagram. I am Danny.calamari. Ooh, there's a dot yes. in there, everyone. So don't forget the dot. Otherwise, someone else will be receiving all your emails. Um, what else do I need to say? I need to say that we are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne. Uh, you can come along to the Emporium, Fortress Emporium, every Sunday where we run uh, D- Dungeons and Flagons, the D&D for beginners and intermediate sessions. There's also the... Queens of the Quest, which is going to be starting up. But what's the uh, the campaigns that you've been running called, Danny? What are the campaigns called? Are they, are they just like Dungeons and Flagons campaign? or I think they are, actually. I don't know if they've got a special name. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. So, yeah, you can also book a short campaign there. Or you can head over to the Masters of Alchemy site, mastersofalchemy.au, um, where you can book us for private sessions as well and see some of the fun stuff that's going to be coming up in the future. Uh, you can find me personally on Blue Sky and Instagram, which is at Talaman, T-A-L-U-M-I-N-8-3. <laughs> I remember my stuff. Yeah, it's definitely a, a thing I remember. Um, music's by Astrofreak on Pixabay. I'm usually leaving something out because I don't have all this stuff written down. I used to. I don't anymore. But the important thing is thank you for listening because you're yes, wonderful you. people. And you know who also wonderful? Your friends who should tell about this podcast and get them to watch Echo first so that they can listen to this podcast. But until next time, I think that will be it. So um, stay safe, be kind to yourselves, may all your hits be crits. May all your hits be crits. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.